Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Kokoro Movement Podcast. On this episode, we have Dr. Jennifer Hutton. But first, a message from Dr. Kelly Sturette. For your listeners, we have created it's the readystate.com slash Kokoro Movement. We've got we've got something for you. You know, we have if you just want a two-week on-ramp crash course, full access to everything, we'll give that to you for two weeks. Come come see how we're solving the problems. Take steal what you like. You know, leave the rest behind, you know, keep speaking your own movement language. All right, my friends, there you have it. Please take advantage of that free two-week offer from thereadystate.com. And now, without further ado, Dr. J-Pop coming in hot. recording by the way just because you know it's all this banter that i love about this podcast um but uh yeah like yesterday i was having a good day and then i had one thing go wrong and i'm like it's over i'm not uh, i'm not doing anything <laughs> you know so like i feel you yeah so i'm uh trying to figure out how to get my business primarily online so that i can you know survive this whole thing and so I've been recording a lot of kin stretch classes to okay. like a video on demand kind of a thing. Cause Ooh, initially, yeah. initially I was just doing like live online classes, but then, you know, the whole world opened and now people don't have the time mm. to do that. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I was uploading the video onto Vimeo and I was like three quarters of the way there. And then my friend called me and ruined it. And I was like, just going to. Just oh, the rest oh. of the over. <laughs> when the do not disturb button is like perfect. <laughs> I know, but it doesn't work anyway. It's just, oh, it's a thing. So it's all good, dude. It's all good. So yeah, what are you what are you up to right now? So you know. Oh my goodness. Now that is a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's it's a uh, you know because. You know, initially I started this podcast because I'm a massage therapist and a uh, like a rehabilitative rehabilitative strength and conditioning coach, and mm-hmm. I started asking all these people on here because they have more information on me than I do on everything that I want to know. So then I just ask them the questions, right? And then, so then the coronavirus hits, and I'm like, well, what is everybody doing? And then, you know, and then, and then, and then, and, and then, and then that part. Yeah. And so then we're just like, so what, what are we doing? What's, what are we doing? It's like the story of 2020 should be caught. And then, oh, and it's such bad writing, you know, it's like, uh, let's just murder. The third grader is writing. Like, really? I know. <laughs> I'm just going to ask my daughter what I should do next, I guess. Right. And, Let's, you Let's know, see what I, their, their minds can drum up. <laughs> yeah, I was getting coffee with a friend the other day, and there was this painting of like this giant squid like enveloping the earth. And like literally at this point in 2020, if we 
turned on the news and there's like, there's a giant space quid enveloping the earth. I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> you, know? That's, you know what? I think a very therapeutic practice would be for everybody to draw their own picture of 2020. Oh, like draw that's... your depiction. I think that would be so therapeutic. <laughs> yeah, it would be kind of. And you know, everything, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I've wanted to talk to you about, but inevitably we're going to get to this race thing and I just, mm-hmm. we're going to just, I'm just going to jump right in because, you know, that's one of the things that I don't know anything about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm in uh I'm in a small town called Flagstaff, Arizona. And mm-hmm. um, so there's, there's very, very few black people here, but there's a lot of Mexican people and there's a lot of native mm-hmm. American people. Mm-hmm. You know? So like my whole entire life, you know, I had like Mexican best friends growing up. So like I ate all of the tamales and you know, like that, that was just my life. That's who I hung out with. And so like, that just doesn't make sense. Like the fact Uh. that somebody would like look at you or like Shante Cofield and think of something other than what you are just Mm. infuriates me just based off of the color of your skin. And it's just like, you need to fucking educate yourself because we all come from the same place and then we dispersed and the further we got away from that place the more vitamin d we needed hence like my scottish heritage (laughs) you know like if i if i were to turn off this light and like open my window right now the sun Mm -hmm. would just make me disappear just because you know yeah yeah it's just a it's a it's like so from my understanding it's an education thing and an ignorance thing and it's like and you know i didn't fully understand like what white privilege meant until i heard you on your second movement maestro podcast you know Mm, and and so then like the way that i can explain it to you like a way that you would understand since you're a rock tape instructor it's like when I went to a massage therapist, or I'm a massage therapist, right? So when I went mm-hmm. to Rock Blades, one of the first ever Rock Blades courses, they're like, you're working with the nervous system and not the muscles. And I was like, what does that mean? What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so, like, and so yes. when, when you were explaining white privilege, I was like, oh. Uh, and then for uh-huh. like a week, I just was like trying to reconfigure my brain around mm. what this new concept meant you know and yes. so so you know it's your turn let's just get going t- <laughs> let's go yeah let's you said it. a lot i mean yeah. you said a whole lot so i yeah, thought it was really good <laughs> yeah let's unpack it <laughs> um i think you're you where you are now is a lot of people like you yeah. guys are all in the same boat in terms of really being able to see clearly not just your own perspective but other people's perspective and i think that's always hard i think putting yourself in someone else's shoes is difficult no matter what you're trying to see because everything that they've experienced in their life has formed their perspective right everything that they've learned everybody that they've been around it's formed that perspective so just like you said if you had only been around people that look like you if you had only traveled to places where everyone looked like you, then it's difficult to to say, no, I have privilege. Well, no, because maybe 10 of you were white, but 
five of you had different backgrounds. Some of you came from single parent households. Some of you came from two parent households. Uh, maybe it was the same sex couple in there. It's, it, it seems like there's so much, so many differences, but to the greater public or to our society or to these systems, if you all walked in the door and nobody knew your story, you would still have a leg up. Right. Just because of the color of your skin. And that's hard for people. It I is. acknowledge that. And uh, so what I've been comparing it to, because, you know, humans understand metaphors, right? Mm -hmm. Like what I've been comparing it to is uh, both violence and the coronavirus, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm a, a mixed martial artist. That was what my first initial foray into athleticism was. And so, you know, one once you like understand that violence of mixed martial arts, then you're not as scared of it. Right. Mm -hmm. But then it's also one of those things where I'm trying to teach like women's self-defense classes, an example, and they just have this very ignorant perspective that violence doesn't exist. Mm. And I'm like, that's not true. Just because you've never been assaulted or raped doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Yes. And so my job is to prepare you for that to happen. And mm -hmm. you need to, you know, be just mentally aware of what's going on. So like when you walk into a restaurant, you need to look around and see who's a, could be potentially a dangerous person and who isn't, you know what I mean? And I do that just subconsciously walking into like movie theater restrooms, whatever it is. I look mm -hmm. for the biggest problem in the room just in case, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm never happens but and, and you're right that and take that a step further i have to be consistently aware of my surroundings right and it's not because i it's not always because i think they're going to harm me physically yeah. um emotionally they may catch me off guard if they choose to treat me differently because of the color of my skin and if you've never had to be that aware and that, I mean, that's something I'm recognizing. If you grew up where you literally could walk through all doors and do whatever you wanted and not care about what the repercussions were, or if there were even some repercussions, then awareness was not needed for you to actually survive, which is right. why I could understand why it would be hard for someone to understand it. But then it's, I, I talked to somebody uh, during a private webinar and I remember he said, I feel comfortable in this space, but he was from a marginalized community. He right. was white and he was gay and he said he was effeminate. He said, but I found my community where I feel safe. And I said, okay, well, now that you feel safe, look around and see who still doesn't feel safe. Right. I think that's hard for people. It's like, well, we think about ourselves, but the purpose to me of everybody existing on this planet is actually for others. Right. It's we, we exist to help others. We exist right. to serve others and how we serve it aligns with what we feel inside, you know, with the desires of what we have, um, but it's still for others. Right. So it's kind of, it's, you know, it's just similar to this whole coronavirus thing. You just got to mm. constantly be washing your hands. You just got to be constant. Like you're just constantly, especially Somewhere. being a gym owner. I'm just mm. like, shit, I got to make sure everything's <laughs> clean constantly. You know what I mean? Like, okay, what'd you touch? How'd you touch? Like, so it's that heightened level of awareness you mm -hmm. know, that is so incredibly overwhelming and stressful. But then, so that's how I'm understanding 
the concept of what you're speaking, right? So that's mm -hmm. pretty much how you felt your whole life, mm -hmm. where you just have this constant low level stress just based off of the color of your skin. Mm -hmm. And no matter where you go or what you do, you have to be constantly aware, um, you know, because when you have your guard down, yes. that's when, you know, you, the people are so weird. And I, <laughs> you know, when, <laughs> When you, every single podcast that I have, I say that at least once because I'm talking to all so these, weird. yeah, I talk to all these high level practitioners, right? And mm -hmm. it's just like, you know, how do we get people to address their pain? Mm. Like, I don't know. Like, how do you get people to be like, hey, this person is a person mm -hmm. just like you. Mm -hmm. they're, they're even from America. There's, mm -hmm. they're no different. They have a job, right. you know what I mean? And, but then it's just like, I just don't understand it. And so it's just trying to like figure it out. Like, just like the, like the, the, um, the gay thing that you brought up earlier. Right. So like, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that people are pissed off about that, you're like, what are you even talking about? How does that affect right. you at all? Right. At all. Like it doesn't like if there's two like gay men walking down the mm -hmm. street, holding hands, is my car going to get repoed? Probably mm. not. <laughs> if it does, it's my fault, not theirs. You know, yeah. but the, it's, but people. I think people form constructs. Just like I said, what you, what you believe, what you value is dependent on your surroundings. And so, and just like our body looks around, scans the environment for things that are unfamiliar Right. so that it can adapt quickly, I think we do the same things. We put things and people in boxes. And when they don't fit, depending on how we were raised, it's going to show in how you react. Right. I can look at something and say, oh, that's different. Awesome. Let's keep. But some people are like, no, it does not fit in the boxes that I have created. It makes me uncomfortable because I can't put it in a box. And so now I will try to remove that situation so that I can feel more comfortable. It's still, a lot of times it's still from a place of, I want to feel safe. I want right. to feel comfortable. And truly it has nothing to do with you at all. Right. Right. But you want to feel safe. You're selfish enough that you want to remove anything that's unlike you or unlike the boxes you've created. And that's your sole purpose. Right. So what did we learn as practitioners, right? There is no box. No box. Right. So like, and that's a hard thing for people to understand. They're like, what does that mean? <laughs> this person could be in pain for any number of reasons. Anything. Could be anything. And so like, you know, uh, I talked to Adam Wolf on my podcast a, um, a few podcasts oh. ago and just based off of his new book, you know, and he needs, he says that you need to have a base of understanding. Yeah. Right which is what the box is. And so mm -hmm. when, when people come into me and they're in pain, I try my base of understanding first. And then if mm -hmm. that doesn't work, then I have that continuing education to grasp onto. Tools. Right? And so you're just like, well, let's try this and let's try that. And then sometimes you have to stay, take a step back and be like, what the hell's happening? Why, right. you know? And then, you know, sometimes it's just like, well, how was your day? And then they're just like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. And then they say, oh, I feel so much better. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. So it's the box thing. So then that's kind of, that's the problem that I see with this whole thing, right? Where it's like, 
well, and so a lot of the education that I was um, getting was from black comedians, you know, so there's mm. a black comedian mm. named Michael Che. And so, and he was talking about how like, you know, black people are just trying to get the lowest common denominator. Like we just want to matter, just matter, you know, That's matter. and then everybody that says all lives matter, you're just like, you're not paying attention. <laughs> we're like so this is your little box we're like well all people are important yes mm -hmm. that's what mm -hmm. they're trying to say also mm -hmm. but they're just trying to raise themselves up to the same level as you and you're just being selfish because you don't like what they're saying because it makes you uncomfortable because it makes you think mm -hmm. about something that you don't like which is like right. the violence thing right it's scary mm -hmm. and so people are like it doesn't exist and you're like okay yeah. it does though but that's yeah. why you need to address it because it is scary. Exactly. Exactly. It's almost like when they hear Black Lives Matter, those who choose All Lives Matter as their response, it's it's almost like they hear Black Lives Matter more. It's like they add their own qualifier to, right. to that statement. And we're saying, no, we matter too. We, we matter too. We matter just as much as you matter. And that struggle, that mental struggle, I literally, I just, I, I can't quite argue against that one right? because if you can't get past it, then I don't know if we can have a true conversation about what black lives matter truly, truly means. Right. And so just like Michael Chase says, just matters. Just, just want to matter. I love that. Like, that. We don't I love even, that segment too. Yeah. So like, we don't like, or the civil rights thing. We just want to be civil. We just want you to be civil. Like we want to be it. more than three fifths a human. We want our vote to count for five fifths, <laughs> a whole and, one. <laughs> oh my God. And then that vote thing, does that like this? And so that's the box that we have, right? So yeah. the way that I've been um, thinking about it in my brain is that, uh, that Yuval Noah Harari book, Sapiens, where mm -hmm. he said that like humans need like clear delineations between things. So mm. like, so one of the hard parts about my education was when I realized that like a human being is all the same stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not just the gut or the nervous system or the muscles or there's not individual muscles. It's all the same thing. And so, right. And so like now we have this, like this is the weirdest time for all this to happen because it's this election year. Right. <laughs> and so how did we, it's somehow we spun this global pandemic into a political thing. And it's so crazy because we're so stupid. And that's what I keep saying. We're so <laughs> weird, right? Like, <laughs> so when right, we start though. unpacking humans, it's like, how did we make it this far? I don't understand. You're right. It, it, to watch that unfold has been mind blowing. Um, it's just for people who think this is purely political and it's like, but people have died. Like maybe you haven't had someone that has died, but I know there are plenty of families. I know specifically people who have passed away from this. Yeah. So to me, that makes it very real. But once again, it ha if it has not affected you, then it's hard for you to understand why you should care. And that's what pisses me off the most is I, I, I think it's all still from that selfish point of view. It, right. it hasn't affected me. I don't know anybody that's sick. I don't like wearing a mask. 
So F it, it's all political. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's got to well, be. The, they're pushing their liberal agenda to make us all conform into communism of wearing masks and oh, being healthy. I don't up. get it. So, yeah, <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> it's like, you know, sometimes you just kind of want to smack them and like, like, not like hard, but like, you know, like I do my dog, like on the nose, like, no. Like my mom used to thump my lips when I <laughs> yes. said something. I was like, nope, can't say that. <laughs> You're like, oh, got it. You know what I mean? And so, like, <laughs> it's there's this like reality of this thing that's happening, and it's so heavy that, like, you like we've been alluding to, like, people once there's certain people that are like, okay, this is dangerous. I'm heading full throttle into it, or they're just like, it's not happening, and they just want to hide mm. from it, right? And so, I think yeah. that's uh, kind of where, well, that's where the mask wearers are. But I think that they're they're using these arguments that are so stupid that you're just like, are you listening to what you're saying? So I was buying coffee the other day and this guy refused to wear a mask and the the people at the coffee shop were like, Hey, like we're just trying to protect ourselves. And he like lit into this lady and made her cry. And I was like, just go to a different coffee shop, dude. Like, and he's like, I'm trying to save my breath. And I'm like, what does that mean? So my whole theory is see your face is the same as my face <laughs> what are you saying like so <laughs> my whole <laughs> my whole theory is that these people never have done anything difficult ever <laughs> preach so you know like i've done i've done a cage fight i've done jujitsu tournaments i've done crossfit competitions i've done highland games competitions i've hiked up mountains i've done all this incredibly difficult stuff. So like wearing a mask for five minutes in a coffee shop is not a problem at all. It is not. I've done, you know, so that's And to take it a step further, you've done those difficult things and you chose to put yourself in those situations. Right. Other populations have done hard things because they've just been placed Right. in those situations, not for anything that they've done, but simply because they exist differently. And right. so you have those two subsets of people who work hard at growth and those who have to grow in spite of. And then you got those people that's literally like, I've just been kind of sailing through life, not saying they haven't had some type of trauma, right. but it hasn't, it clearly hasn't been enough for you to push yourself and say, okay, a mask is like the smallest issue. Right. If you're looking at the grander scheme of things right now, a mask right. is not the problem. And so not dealing with that stuff, I feel like is a, is a trauma in and of itself, right? Mm-hmm. Never, never, you know, and so that's kind of why I had the, the initially until you explained it, why I had a problem with that white privilege thing. You know, because Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I had my first job when I was 15. I, Mm -hmm. you know, worked my ass off for everything that I had. So I was like, what Mm -hmm. does white privilege mean? Because I've been working since before I was legal, legally able to. But then you're starting to see like, man. And, but but see, then when you unpack it, it just gets so heavy. You're just like, it does, it does. And to me, it's helpful when I talk to people who, who feel that way. Like, well, wait about, I've, I've worked, I've tried to be a good person. I've been a good, you know, I, all of those things. It's like, well, don't think of it as a, an attack on you. 
I'm attacking the society that has given you the privilege. I'm attacking the systems that has given, I'm not saying you walked into this and chose privilege. I'm just saying the way that everything has been constructed is actually for you. Even if you haven't felt it, I'm, I've watched it. I've seen it. I have accounts of it for you. So once you can see that it's still outside of who you are, not about self outside of you, then it's easier for you to start saying, okay, now that I understand the concept, how has it worked for me? Because that's the best way to say it. Okay, now that I get it, how has it worked for me? How have I been blind to my own privilege? Right. Man. Yeah, sitting with it. So um, (laughs) (laughs) so it's one of those... One of those things, like I saw this really powerful picture a few years ago where it had like a black guy in handcuffs in a courtroom Mm -hmm. and then there was a black police officer and then a black lawyer. Mm. And it's like, you can choose your destiny, but like, it's just kind of wrapping your head around the fact that like going from a black man in handcuffs to a black police officer is probably difficult enough, but then getting up to lawyer status, you know, props to that dude, because like just the way. And so then you start unpacking like systemic racism, right? Mm -hmm. Just the way that our society is set up, like Mm -hmm. just the insane amount of barriers that that lawyer had to go through to get to where he is, is Mm -hmm. seemingly insurmountable. Mm-hmm. Because you, it's no go ahead. No, no, go. Yeah. So then you hear, um, you know, like the, just these uh, black guys talking about, you know, they're trying to do good in high school, mm-hmm. and then there's these other guys who are like, why don't you just sell drugs? It's way easier. You know what I mean? Because in that, it's easier for them, and that's where that's how Wait. they make money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, like, and that's why I always say when you even look at those three constructs, like from being the defendant yep. to the lawyer and, and the police officer, no black experience is the same. Right. So each of them probably have their own subsets of issues that they've had to face that when you actually look at the guy that's in handcuffs, you may be actually saying it's a blessing that he's even alive because of what he grew up with. And then the police officer said, well, from what I saw in my community, I wanted to be one who helped. And then the lawyer says, I got tired of seeing all my people in jail. So I had to, so it's, it's still, even in the, even in looking at quote hierarchy, that's where class starts to come in. And that fits in whatever race you look at. That supremacy mindset of the lawyer is better than the police officer is better than the defendant. It's like, no, there's no better than every struggle is just different, even within the minority subset. Right. And so then you can even look at it like just from a more global perspective, like if, you know, if shit hits the fan in America, we're probably all going to die. I don't know how to make a fire. Like, you don't, you know, I've never hunted anything, you know what I mean? But then there's these people that have been like hunter gatherers are really, like really, but that's like their normal thing. They're going to just be like, they probably have no idea what's happening right now. You know what I mean? They're they're chilling. 
I know. And so making like, their own fires and food and clothes and, <laughs> and yeah, there's just <laughs> levels to this thing. So it just <laughs> so many. It is. And so, you know, this the the protests have kind of tapered off a little bit from when mm-hmm. it first started. Like when it first started, everybody was like, you know, fuck this. And yeah, you know, and you but then you watch that video of George, George Floyd getting murdered and you're like, yeah, fuck that. What are we doing? Yeah. And, yeah. but then the, the protests increase and then, you know, then there's those assholes that start rioting and uh-huh. then you're just like, cool. So that's taken away from the whole point of what we're trying to accomplish here. So like, what are you doing that for? But then it was like the pandemic probably fed that because now everybody's jobless and broke, you know? And it's like, and then, there's thousands and thousands of people gathered around. Every single one of those people has cameras on their phones and police are still murdering people. And mm-hmm. you're just like, how about you fucking stop it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> if only, oh my if God. only that one statement, if only that one statement would do it. That would be awesome. Yeah, it would be. And then, <laughs> you know, I was looking at it through, like the police officer's perspective too. And so when I trained for my cage fight, I trained a thousand hours a year for three years to Mm -hmm. go and get my ass kicked in a cage fight Mm. with a referee and rules. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Police Mm -hmm. officers get maybe 40 hours a year of training. Mm -hmm. And then, so that goes back to the, um, the phrase like you fall to the lowest level of what your training is. Yep. And most police officers have nothing. And so if they're, you know, if they're afraid, they're going to go to your basic instincts. Yeah. They're going to go to like kill or be killed mentality instead Mm of, you know, trying to deescalate or trying to figure out what's going Mm -hmm. on or getting all the variables and all that stuff. And then it's just really, God, it's just that we're, so weird. See, I keep telling you, it's we're so. No, you're right. Just, and yeah. I, I, when I think of it from the policeman's perspective, of course, I think if you look at other countries and how they've created their law enforcement and how much education that they have to go through, um, I, I feel like if this is something you truly wanted to have and it be effective in the United States, then you need to address globally or should say in our nation how we are how we we train them mindset training mindfulness training um racism and discrimination equity inclusion diversity like all of these trainings should be included so that when you go in a situation you actually know what your default would be i don't want you scared as a policeman that's not yeah. helpful for me, right. <laughs> especially if everything that you've been raised gave you a bias against me, because right. that means you see me as a threat, even if we're not in a high stress situation. Right. So, so just go ahead and put you in that bubble. And now, oh, we're all effed. We're all yeah. effed. <laughs> right. And then you get, you know, 500 angry protesters marching toward police. Like, how do you expect them to react? You know, like it's, it's just, it's like the, it was like the perfect storm, you know, mm-hmm. like between coronavirus and then George Floyd getting killed. It was just like this perfect storm, you know? And I think it was actually, it's interesting that it happened 
on the heels, I should say, in the stride, because we ain't on the heels of it yet, but in the stride of Corona, yeah. because everybody had to sit down and watch, and yeah. be still. And so you were, you had come out of the rat race that our culture has created. You were forced to sit and focus and actually read and be attentive and be aware. And so then when something actually happened for the hundredth time, you actually were like, oh, I have all my senses. I know how I feel. I know what's going on. And now that's wrong. And that to me showed what has our culture done to us that we had to be forced into a pandemic for all of these people to actually see this was wrong. Yeah. And just seeing it, it highlighted how broken the entire system is just from the get just like from the get, you know, when, like when they sent out these $1,200 checks and everybody's like, what's this for? You know, what's what that going to do? <laughs> what's, I know. Like, cause here in Flagstaff, a single, like a, uh, like a studio apartment costs 1500 a month. So it's not even rent, but then you start to understand that like, that's a month's worth of minimum wage. Yep. And then you're like, what people what? like, it's insane. And then, so then you start to go, you know, so I was listening to uh, Joe Rogan and this former Navy SEAL commander, Jocko Willink, talk about, you know, what their response to George Floyd would have been. Mm. And, you know, like uh, Jocko Willink was uh, one of the battalion force commanders in one of the deadliest um, battles in recent history, which is the Battle of Ramadi. And so he said the second his staff would have told him that George Floyd was killed, he would have flown there and he would have mm -hmm. gotten the leaders of the black community. And he just said, Hey, what happened? What can I do mm -hmm. to help? And then he would have said, wait right here. He would have went and got the leaders of the police force. What happened? Mm -hmm. What can I do to help? And then he would have brought them together and mm -hmm. he would have been a mediator. What happened? What can we do to help? How can we, mm -hmm. you know, make this not happen in the future? What can we make that's different? And I'm like, and then we have this guy who just shrugs and is like, it's okay. You know, same thing with like, you know, that's why there's this division with the mass thing is because he didn't even acknowledge that this was a problem until like a month ago, you know? And at this point we're trying to, we're closing gyms, but we're opening schools. And the way I've been describing it to people, it's like two thirds of your house burned down and you're trying to save the last third of it. Yeah, you, know, you need to rebuild the house, yes. you know. So, like, we're not going to get a handle on this pandemic, everybody just needs to be safer. And no, so, we're not just from man, and then everything just everything, <laughs> just, just everything, yeah, just <laughs> mishandled from the get go. And you're just like, what is going on? And this is, I think, the most detrimental election that we've had in recent memory, just to try and get. And, you know, like the presidential candidates that we have now, you're just like, this is the best we have. Are you kidding me? And, you know, I, I have been very clear on this point um, because I, I, it feels from what I've seen that there's a, a generation coming up of that Bernie or bust mentality, um, meaning the, the candidate has to meet all of your needs in order for you to vote for them. And that has literally never been the case. 
we no. have never had a candidate that you could check all of your boxes. But what we've failed to realize is that we are able to hold them accountable. So it is possible to choose the best candidate and then hold them accountable. Right. <laughs> and that happens at the state level and the local level. Right. I mean, we're, that's what we're here for. We, we, are, we are the Democrats. Like, right. It doesn't get, matter what you think, this is for us. Right. So we are supposed to be, as the mass, we are supposed to say, hey, this is what you promised. This is what we want. And now let's hold you accountable for these things. Recognizing that all of your needs will never be met because we are all different people. That is literally how this will always work. Right. But until we can see that and start to, as I said, look outside of ourselves, it, it, you're going to be disappointed when you look at a candidate and they're spewing things or have voted for things that you don't agree with. Right. But so, what we chose, whew, my, my, my. I know. And it's like, <laughs> you know, Tulsi Gabbard was going to be my first choice. Mm, okay. She's, she's like intelligent and articulate. She's a Marine you know, mm -hmm. former Marine. She's a combat veteran. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? She's on point with her message. She knows exactly what she's going to do. But from my understanding, she didn't want to take any corporate handouts. She wanted to be funded by the people. So she got put to the back of the line. And you're just like, and so Biden was your best choice. But that's the game. That's the thing. Ugh. Like you, I understand you have ideals that you want to keep. Right. But it is still a game, no matter how pure you think you are. And there are some things that have to be done to right. at least become a contender. That's just, that's how like, we can't, we haven't wiped the system until we wipe the system. You got to play the game. Yeah. And then once you get in the game, you got to be the better player. Cause what I'm sorry, it's right now it's a scrimmage and I don't tend to talk about presidential candidates simply because I feel like the systems that are in place were there long before they were. The people oh, yeah. who put them into power are really the ones we should be looking at, which is why it's important to vote at every election for every you know um, seat that you're looking at. But at this point, I'm just like, is we're not great, guys. We didn't get to great again status. We're actually worse. Can we move on? <laughs> no, we're on fire, bro. We're not. We're not even close to great. We're burning to the ground and there's people like, you know, I was having, you know, once the pandemic started, I was like really motivated and I was really fired up. I'm going to really start working on this and getting this and putting this in place and seeing if this will work. And I'm probably going to fail at this, but I'm going to try anyway. But mm -hmm. then, you know, once, once like George Floyd got murdered and then, you know, the heaviness of that, I was just like, well, who the fuck cares about ankle mobility? Why am I even posting anything? This is like, you know, it just seemed as though nothing that I was trying to accomplish for myself mattered anymore. Mm. And then what could I do mm -hmm. to accomplish for other people then? Mm. You know what I mean? But then, but then, you know, you listen to, all of these people talk about these situations regardless of if it's politics or you know racism or whatever it is and you're just like this seems impossible this is mm -hmm. you know a lot of it you know i think stems from just like how insanely expensive it is to just live <laughs> just the frustration for that yes. you know like yes 
you know, like between me and my wife who makes six figures and we can't afford to buy a house. Like, what is happening? This is what so crazy. What do you live in that that, that exists? I know. It, even, you know, with all my privilege, I can't even figure it out. You know what I mean? And it's that's like, it. That's yeah. what I wish. Uh, that's the point I, I wish everybody would get is I understand even you have privilege, yeah. but none of us are doing well. <laughs> like no. as a collective group, we're not doing well. And for those to me who did vote for who is in power right now, he doesn't care about you either. Like, no. He literally doesn't. So if you can realize that and then agree, and we can all agree that nothing is working right now, we have power. Right. We have power collectively. And they love the fact that we're divided right now. They right. love the fact that everybody is staunchly left and staunchly right, because that means we're farther apart. And it's yeah. like, no, I, we literally, we have to do this together. Right. And so you know, just the fact that his current argument why you should vote for him for president instead of Biden is because Biden would get less ratings. Come on. <laughs> is that what you got? That's the best you got? That makes my head hurt. That's my, that's <laughs> my head hurt. It makes my head hurt. I'm like, I'm, uh, I can't. I can't even process that foolishness. I just can't. <laughs> really? Who cares? I'm not watching I'm not you anyway. I'm wasting my brain power. <laughs> no. And it's, you know, so then the, the, pandemic was just showing this huge disconnect that the one percent has from everybody else well mm -hmm. you should have three months saved for emergencies okay you can't even give me three months in a check okay. what you mean <laughs> yeah okay billionaire <laughs> <laughs> we're not all like you sorry i don't have i don't you know god and then and then the whole <laughs> It's all just like one thing after another. Like the whole CrossFit thing was just oh, chaos. That was, I would like literally watch CrossFit. I clutched my now. pearls on that yeah. one. I was like, wait, what? Right. And then did, the, did you listen to Andy Stump's podcast after that? I did not. I, yeah. I had had, I took a step away from CrossFit at the beginning of the year because of everything that was going on. Like right. I was like, I personally, I have high risk people in my family. Yeah. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't really want to put anyone like even myself at risk for anything. So I, it was easier for me to be like, okay, well I'm a back off because right. I just, even just the little bit that I took in, it was like, I had removed myself. So. Right. And so but that, tell me about the podcast. <laughs> so, um, you know, my education is what, made me step away from CrossFit. Like the more that I learned, the more it just didn't make sense to me. And so I stepped away a couple of years ago, but, uh, you know, Andy Stump worked for CrossFit HQ. He's a former Navy SEAL. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, Greg Glassman is not a racist, but he is a sexual deviant. And oh. so then everybody was like, Oh really? And then all these women started coming out. Oh, and it's just like, <laughs> What are we doing? And so it's just, you know, one oh. kind of thing, like after another, and it's just like, God, it's just so, this whole thing is so overwhelming, you know? And like, it's funny because I, Shantae and I, we both discussed a piece that came out in Psychology Today, and it was placing all of the origins of everything that we're talking about right now back to the need for power and yeah. how that has literally 
been the root of all of these branches. And so it's like, I, I, at some point, my message is going to get there. Yeah. But I feel like if I took you all the way there and showed you absolutely everything, yep. then you would be overwhelmed and you wouldn't want to keep going. So it's like, well, let's just chip away bit by bit. Let's just commit to being aware because right. that commitment alone will start to show you these things organically and you'll be able to find your lane and how you're going to combat all of this instead of thinking like oh my goodness look at all of these things that have stemmed from this nothing's going to change i'm just going to just i'm just going to sit back and do me that right. puts you right back in the same position right and so you know that's um similar to when my wife was coaching CrossFit and we had um, one athlete who was just immobile beyond reason and mm -hmm. he was doing overhead squats. He had no business doing overhead squats like because everything mm -hmm. didn't work the way that it should work. Right. And so she kept saying, hey, how do we fix his squat? And I said, we don't. <laughs> she said, what do you mean? I was like, he has to commit to at least six months of mobility training in order to correct the deficiencies that he has in his squat. Mm. So fortunately, the immobilities that he has basically limit him to what he's capable of doing so he can only lift weights that are not a danger to him. Mm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. when somebody's like, hey, how do I fix my ankle? You're like, well, it's going to take six months. They're like, no, I don't want to do that. And you're like, all right. Well, <laughs> you know, and it's like kind then. of like, this, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the same thing as like, you know, being a PT. And I kind of want to dive into that because um, yeah. your, your primary focus is uh, pediatrics, mm -hmm. which, you know, I was thinking about it over the last couple of days leading up to this interview might be more beneficial if you were planning on being a PT for adults later on, you know what I mean? Because like trying to just make it playful to just keep these kids engaged to where mm -hmm. you are making the progress that you need to make seems like kind of the way to go for adults. Golden also. ticket. Yeah, it is. And I think we have a lot of therapists and healthcare professionals have this mindset towards play of only kids can play. Yeah. And I always say, we all still play. It just looks different the older we get. Play is a Zoom call with all of your friends from all over the country. That's play because you're laughing, you're joking, it's bringing you joy. And that simple fact alone takes all of the threat out of your body because you're, you're purely enjoying it. I remember one CrossFit class where we, instead of doing a warm up, we played Foursquare. Yeah. That was our warm up. And it yeah. was, I think I got a PR that day for my squat. Yeah. And that was with no stretching, no, no, like Frankenstein, nothing, none, none of that. I literally just played Foursquare and I was ready to go. And not only was I ready to go, I felt good about going into practice that day. Yeah. So I am, I am in total agreement. <laughs> yeah. Man. And so that seems, is that, that just seems kind of like a heavy duty um, career path to take. Like I'm sure it's incredibly rewarding and fulfilling, but I'm also, I'm sure you also see, some children where your heart just breaks for them 
Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. I think, I think it, it does take a different kind of person to work with children. Uh, I won't say special. I'll just say different. You do have to think and operate differently because in the face of cancer, in the face of immobilizing surgeries, in, in the face of diagnoses that, you know, are chronic, you have to figure out a way to bring joy to the sessions, f- figure out a way to bring joy to the child, but also help them meet the goals and surpass what other people think that they cannot do simply yeah. because of what's going on in their life. So emotionally, it definitely is a, a different path, but I always laugh because those kids with the horrible diagnoses, they still throw tantrums. They still have bratty natures. They still do things that kids do. And it always balances out. It yeah. always balances out. Yeah. Interesting. So then, man, that's, it just, and how long have you been a PT for? 12 years. 12 years. Okay. And what made you want to do that? Um, I have, let's see, there's 14 cousins in my family on one side. Um, I'm the oldest, the youngest, um, was born three months premature, spent two months in the NICU, two or three months in the NICU, and then had to pretty much be in therapies for the rest of his life. He was diagnosed with cerebral palsy when he was two. So watching him go through all of the therapies after his doctor told his mom, he's pretty much just going to be in a wheelchair. You should just resign to that and and keep it pushing. And she worked her behind off to get him what he needed. And now he walks independently. If he's in you know, large crowds or has to walk a lot, he'll walk with crutches, but he can do what a doctor said was impossible. And that's what I want. I said, I want to do that. I want to help kids past whatever people the limit put on them um and really help them meet their their true potential that's interesting because that's also one of the reasons why i became a coach too really yeah and so that was um you know because i also wanted to talk to you about you know just being a woman in your profession as well right so you know women have these self-imposed limitations on themselves and Mm. so you know, that's one of the big things that I realized as a CrossFit coach is they're just like, well, I can't lift that. I'm just like, mm. okay, well, I think you can. So prove me wrong. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and so then they're afraid of failure and then their standards are of themselves are so high that they don't want to see anybody fa- see them fail. And mm. so, you know, and then that's kind of the difference that I've seen between men and women after coaching CrossFit for eight years is men are just like, fuck it, I'll try it. And then they fail and they're like, cool, next time. And women are just like, I can't do it. And so one of my main goals as a coach was to get these women to hit failure and understand Mm -hmm. that like nothing happens. Mm -hmm. Just didn't do it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've discovered that you can't do it. That's the, that's Mm -hmm. it. And you're still here, you know, nothing fell apart around you. You still have your job. You still have your family. Like you just didn't deadlift that today. Yes. And so, um, you know, I was, you know, and you're surrounded by 
these women, especially the ones that work for rock tape that are just like fucking hard chargers, man. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, you know, there's no <laughs> limits to what they can do, you know? <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful thing. It, it is. is a beautiful thing. I'll be honest. It's, it's awesome to see. Um, one thing for me, I only saw female physical therapists yeah. in terms of watching my cousin go through all of his therapies. I never yeah. saw a male therapist. Hmm. So I didn't, I didn't have a construct in my head that, you know, okay, only males do this. So you know, difficult for me. I also can say my parents did a very good job yeah. of coaching me how you want to coach women right. to say, this is going to be hard and admit it. They would, they would put me in situations or they would have me try things and they would say, it's going to be hard, but we're going to do it together. We're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And so that upbringing really just, I mean, it, it's flourishing now, I feel like, because I am trying things that are outside of the box. I am trying things that are not status quo. I am doing things that I never expected of myself, but I can always go back to, I'm going to be okay though. Like, even if this doesn't work, I'm always going to be okay. And that, mm -hmm. knowing that, feeling that inside and really believing it, it's like, well, let's see what's next then. Let's see yeah. what we can, what walls we can break down, what projects we can do. I'm ready for it. Right. So that's interesting. So that's like the, the scarcity mindset was essentially coached out of you by your parents then. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, because that's a, that's a societal narrative, right? We look at people who have everything that we could ever want and mm -hmm. just assume that we can't get there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so yeah. that's, we have these limiters on our potential success based off of that. You know, and mm -hmm. I have it all the time too. And I'm like, it's, it's uh, been happening a lot over the last like couple of months where, you know, I have this part of my brain that's like, we should just quit. <laughs> and then there's this yeah. other part of my brain that's just like, okay, we can quit, but we're just going to do this first. Mm -hmm. And then my other part of the brain's like, well, that failed. Can we quit now? <laughs> and then the other part's like, um, it didn't work, but we can make some tweaks. We're going to try this first and then we'll quit. You know, so it's like the mm -hmm. same as running, right? Like, yeah. I'm oh. just going to run to that driveway. <laughs> and then the part of your brain that's like, wait, I thought we were going to stop at the driveway. I'm at the next driveway. You just got to constantly driveway. trick yourself into keeping going sometimes. You're good. Yes, you're right. You're, it's a mind game. It really is. Um, I've been really... Uh, my favorite person kind of in the sports mindset arena is Michael Gervais. He's a sports psychologist, mm -hmm. um, works really closely with the Seattle Seahawks. And I love his approach to that mindset and, and figuring out what your zone is that you can continue in when things are difficult. And that's I mean, a lot of what you just talked about. That's it. It's battling that part of your brain that says, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> Just no. know. <laughs> and it, it's funny because, you know, especially lately, like over the last couple of months, it's just been really overwhelming. You mm -hmm. know, like we had our gym open for, like I said, three weeks and then we had to close mm -hmm. it again. But mm -hmm. then they're just like, we're going to open schools. And you're like, what? What does that mean? <laughs> so, you know, we, we have a small boutique gym. We, we, uh, 
cordoned off everything to where everybody has like at least seven or eight feet in between them. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. two to three people in there at a time, plus one coach. And they're in there for an hour and then they leave. And that's bad. But children being packed 30 people into a classroom with one teacher is good. Like what for are for we six doing? to eight hours? Oh yeah, God. I I have a friend right now who's an occupational therapist and she's doing summer camps at a yeah. Montessori school. And she said, Do you want to know what the kids are really doing with their mask? They're playing tug of war on the playground. They're not on them. They won't keep them on. I'm like, yeah. you're at, at, to a already underpaid profession yep. you're asking a lot of educators right now you right. truly are asking a lot and you're putting them at risk and right. if that's not a perfect view of how society view values people i don't know what is yeah and like kids their main goal is to fight and rub their boogers on everything like there's no <laughs> <laughs> like, i can i testify that that is right <laughs> based off of your profession as a pediatrics physical therapist <laughs> that is an accurate statement awesome <laughs> you know so i Indeed. just don't you know so i just uh you know the big the the biggest stressor that i have right now as a human is just looking at the situation that we're currently in and just asking the simple question like where do we go from here because it's like it doesn't seem good, you know, mm -hmm. but you know, the, the big shift in my mindset that I had a couple of days ago was that Einstein quote, you can live one of two ways. Either you think nothing is a miracle or everything is. Mm -hmm. And then I there's that. Right. And then there's that statistic that Gary Vaynerchuk brings up all the time. Like the likelihood of you even being born is 400 trillion to one. And so, you won the lottery. So like, what's your plan? You know what I mean? And so that's what's been keeping me going the last couple of days. But then, you know, just like, where do we go from here? Like, what do we do? How does this work? Like, I think, and I, it's, I've discussed this a lot over the last few months. I think it is really important to identify what you believe in. I think it, if, if you come out of this with nothing else, it needs to be your own personal philosophy and, and what you value and what you believe. Because then when it does get overwhelming, when you do see things that, that just seem like they're too much or come up against barriers that you feel like you can't get through, you have a North Star. And that North Star is always there for you to say, okay, here's what I believe, here's what I value. And then once you go there, then you say, well, what can I do next? Not what can we do? <laughs> because I can't control we, I no. can control me. Which I can control how I operate amongst the we, but I can't control the we. So once I go back to what I believe, what I value, then it's what can I do next to support that belief? And that's what you do. And then you just keep asking yourself that question. And if you lose yourself again, come back to your North Star. But what mm -hmm. I see the most amongst everything that's going on is those who have no North Star is apparent. It is apparent because everything that honestly is, is a little crazy right now makes them feel that anxiety of I have no control. And so that's why I'm like, now figure out what you believe in, 
write it down, say it every day, say it three, four times a day, meditate on that thing, breathe with that thing. And, and I think you will be in a better mental space, have mindset to actually operate amongst the chaos. Mm. I'm going to need you to continue with that while I sit with this. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm comfortable with silence sit with yeah. it <laughs> this is like those couple podcasts that you listen to where somebody says something profound and then the person listening is just like did it stop is did it stop <laughs> my yes, phone broke like, no that is silence that is silence <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah that was fucking awesome um <laughs> dang so so based off of that theory, then like the people that do have their North star are going to figure out how to come together and aim it and just be kind of leaders for the community. Right. Because that's uh, one thing I said from the very beginning, based off of our government's response to just whatever is because <laughs> you know, they failed at all of it. And so mm-hmm. it's like, we need to be, the leaders for our own communities, you know, yes. cause I had all the local massage therapists calling me and be like, what do I do? Yeah. Like, well, you've been a massage therapist for five years. Like, you know what to do. So like you yeah. can schedule like virtual consultations with people mm-hmm. because like, you know, everybody, like everybody has the same patterns of dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And so if you know how to release the tissues and you can coach them through that, then you can be like, where's your back hurt? Let's try these two or three mm-hmm. things. And then it'll, it'll work, you know, 70% of the time. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? And so like, you need to do that. And then, you know, well, I'm afraid to go back to work. Well, how much are they paying you? Well, they pay <laughs> me 35 bucks an hour. How much are they charging? They're charging 80 bucks an hour for a massage cool. So they're taking 50% of your income. Mm. So start your own thing. Yep. Work half the time, charge the same amount and you're still making the same amount of money. And you're in control of who you take in, how you take them in. Yeah. I think that that is, that's great. That's great advice. And it's, it's to lead into that again. Now I hope all the professions see how important it is for you to take different types of continuing education Yeah. because now you're seeing, Oh shoot. Do I have a tool in my toolbox that I can use for this scenario? Right. And it's like, if you, if you rely solely on these, then yeah, you may be SOL, but if you have more up here, then you're like, Oh, I got tools. I got things that I can do so that I can help this person be better. Right. And if you're solving problems on a regular basis, I think that's really critical too, because you know, that's a, you know, cause my massage practice is a lot more clinical. Like I do a lot of Mm -hmm. muscle testing, a lot of neurodynamics, a lot of like just solving problems. Like Mm -hmm. what's happening? Why is this not working? Was, why are you feeling pain? What kind of pain is it? Where's it coming from? How's, how was your day? Did you drink water? You should probably drink some water, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And so it's, uh, um, you know, but it's funny, like just saying that whole thing kind of gets me back to, it seems like I was preparing myself for this scenario, mm. you know, because I understood that massage therapy was very cyclical goes up and down and up and down. You know, there's some months where you're just crushing it. And then there's other months where it's like, where did everybody go? 
yeah. oh, it's spring break. What the, everybody's gone. Yeah. Like their whole yes. life just stops. And so, you know, then I, that's why I started coaching people um, and, you know, focusing on people who needed that rehab past physical therapy because physical, most physical therapists, you can only come and see me this amount of times because insurance. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, well, if you come train with me, we'll just continue that. Right. Yeah. And so those people that I were coaching were the ones that were paying my bills during the pandemic. Cause I just started coaching them virtually. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, but if I would have stuck with only coaching CrossFit and only doing massage, then both of those were out the window. Yeah. You know? And so it's like, you know, and then I was talking to uh, Shante about this in our, I interviewed here a couple of weeks ago and she's like, yeah, like my whole business right now is just online and teaching yes. people online stuff so like nothing changed for me and you're just like yeah Damn it. like it's she was she was she was preparing <laughs> <laughs> i know it's, it's funny because like the hindsight's 2020 type of thing you know just <laughs> guess, which is like the worst expression ever right now <laughs> and, and i mean but it, it could We're gonna be need to change a lot of expressions oh my this. god like avoid it like the plague did you see that we're <sighs> Like, because now we're just going full throttle into that plague. We're right not avoiding now, I mean, we're, we clearly are not avoiding it. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, man, this is a really good conversation. I'm so happy you yeah. decided, like, came on. It was really fun. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, and where can people find you? And what are you working on right now? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So right now uh, on the heels of the anti-racism and allyship workshop, I noticed that a lot of people wanted community. They wanted a space where they were all working towards the same common goal of being better allies. And so I'm actually working on a building allyship membership community Okay. where there be speakers from different sects in healthcare and, um, and fitness, business, so that you can have more perspectives, gain more knowledge. There'll be resources, there'll be discussion groups. It'll be a forum where you can ask questions and just be on the same page with people on the same journey. Um, So that is going to launch in August. And I'm also working on a pediatric general assessment course. I was actually working on that before all of this happened, but I noticed trends in life is okay let's let's do what we want to do and then we'll go back to the rest of it so the peds assessment course will probably be coming um in september and you can find me on social media my favorite is instagram that's dr period jpop i am on twitter that's just dr jpop no period um facebook dr period jpop and my website is drjpop.com right on that's uh so is the the pediatrics assessment is that going to be your own thing or through rock tape mine it will be mine mine. there will be an interventions course all of this all of it will be mine there will be an interventions course that i will be putting on um fmt plus rock tapes online platform Um, it's designed to follow the assessment course so that if people ever take one first they have something to go back to to understand reasonings for different interventions so i'm excited there's a lot of a lot of work to do for for the last half of the year (laughs) indeed all right my friend thank you so much for taking the time i appreciated the conversation very much thank you for having me on absolutely we'll talk to you again soon okay